All right, I want to start off today with a story. Uh, so here's how the story goes. A little girl goes up to her grandmother and says, Grandma, how old are you? And the grandma said, sweetie, listen, we don't ask ladies how old they are. And she says, well, I already know you're 74. <laughs> and she said, I also know, I also, uh, she said, I also want to ask, how much do you weigh? And she says, baby girl, listen, one really big thing you never ask a lady is how much she weighs. Well, she says, well, I already know you weigh 142 pounds. She says, how do you know all this stuff? She said, I went in your purse and I got your license and I saw how tall you are and I saw what you weighed and I saw you scored an F in sex. <laughs> Come on, son. <laughs> That's funny. I don't... So that's where we're going today. That's where we're going. Uh, I, I, let me just start off by just saying this. This is probably not one of those messages that I look forward to preaching by any regards, however much you may think or not think that. Um, I would much rather be preaching on faith or communication or conflict or something. But uh, the reason I felt like this is so important for us to talk about is because everybody's talking about it. And I think culture has an F in sex. They got an F in sex. And so I wanna, I wanna actually unpack this a little bit here. I, today's not gonna be crude or any of those kind of things, but um, we are going to get into some nitty gritty things when it comes to uh, the area of sex because this is a huge deal. And if you look at everything that's going on around us, culture is getting it all wrong. I'm, I wanna show you a couple um, statistics, some things that I've looked, because if you're honest, all you gotta do is turn on the TV, surf the web, go look at a movie, walk down the grocery aisle, and you know there's messages about this everywhere. And so I wanna show you a couple thoughts here. First uh, one is this, one out of four Google searches are sexual in nature. One out of four. Let me show you another one, watch this next one. 50% of all high school students will have sexual interaction before graduating from high school. One out of two, one out of two, according to current standards that are going on right now. Watch this next one. 91% of sexual scenes you see in movies are not between two married people. I mean, you know, it's setting us up, just setting us up on things that are going on. This one, this next one, it may be surprising. It may totally not be surprising to you at all. And that is this, in the US, pornography revenues are $13 billion. That's more than all the revenues of professional football, baseball, and basketball combined. Yeah, it's, it's really, really big. And, and so sexual immorality is rampant. It's all over. It's all over the news all the time. It's not only do you see it with athletes, you see it also with politicians, you see it in families. Hey, here's even the worst part. Even as of lately, you see it even more in pastors. And so this is a big deal. This, this affects every person. And, and I think society is getting an F in it. Uh, we did a survey uh, a couple weeks before this series launched because we wanted to get your feedback because I always tell you that I want to make sure that I'm preaching to the crowd of what you're walking through. And so we asked you, we got into some of this in the survey. And I don't know if any of y'all got really uncomfortable when you got to this part in the survey. I had some people come up to me and go, that thing was intense. I said, yeah, for this message right here. Thank you for all those who filled that out. Because one of the questions, what we did is we surveyed those that are single and we surveyed those who are married and uh, got all of that data in and been going and combing through all of that data over these last couple of weeks. And here was one of the questions we asked to singles. Watch this. This question was, how would you rate your sexual purity? 48% <clears throat> said amazing or good. 52% said fair or poor. 
I mean, no, if you get 50% on a test, that's an F. Everybody, anybody gone to school lately? Okay, that's an F. Okay, so according to the singles that are in our church, when it comes to sexual purity, you have an F. All right? All right, before, before all the married people look down on you, I, we asked the married people this, this question, how would you rate your sexual life? 48% said fair or poor, 52% said amazing or good. We're still at 50%. Guess what, married people? You got enough. All right? So undoubtedly across the board, all of us are struggling in some regards when it comes to the topic of sex and sexual purity and our sexual life. But I would go as far as to say, I think the church as a whole even has an F when it comes to sex. I don't think the church has done a good enough job talking about it and explaining it and teaching on this. I, when I grew up, okay, so I grew up in the 80s and 90s. When I grew up, here was, here was sex education from the church. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just don't do it before marriage, which is true, but it's incomplete. One of my favorite bands growing up in the 90s was DC Talk. I got any old school Christian people that remember DC talk? Do I got any Jesus freaks in the house? Okay, three of y'all. All right, the rest of y'all, that's okay. DC talk came out with a song that was like, like my family was like, this was the song for us as siblings and it was called, I Don't Want It. That's what it was. It was a song regarding sexual purity and the song goes, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want your sex for now. Go, go Google it. You can go and look at it, okay? Here's the problem. What happens when you're a 13 boy and go, I do want it. I do want it. Y'all know that's like a little incomplete there. I understand what I'm supposed to be saying, but I would like sing it and it has like this rap version. S-E-X is a test when I'm pressed, so back off. Okay, so it's, so, oh no, don't get me started. Impress a brother with a life of virtue, the N-S. Okay, so. That was when, that was, that was old school. You gotta go check it out. So, so that was my upbringing was just don't want it. Don't do it. Well, what happens when you want it and you want to do it? What, what, what goes from there? And so that was pretty much how the church taught it. Just don't want it and don't do it. Well, that doesn't really help a boy who's going through puberty. So, so what do you do? What do you do when you, when you go over to your friend's house and you're watching cartoons one minute and then the channel gets changed over to something that is not cartoons? And, and what happens when you go into your, your cousin's house and you go to the bathroom and you discover magazines? And what happens if someone touches you inappropriately that they shouldn't have and the church only says, well, don't want it and don't do it. What do, you, what do you do with all of that? I think we've done a poor job of talking about this because this impacts every, every area of our life. And, and so today, I wanna teach on sex in a way that's going to honor God and make the devil look dumb. Because watch this, Satan's been the sex ed teacher for way too long. 
way too long. I want to show you what, what Satan is like. The Bible says this in John chapter 8. It says it this way. You will know that. Actually, go back. Do, do I have the verse before that? <clears throat> nope. There we go. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. So this is speaking of the enemy. This is Satan. He speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and he is the what? He is the father of lies. Now, I, I want you to understand this. When the Bible describes the enemy, he describes them in a couple different ways. One of the descriptions right here is a father of lies, meaning that everything that he's telling you is a lie. And everything, for the most part, you're hearing from culture has been passed down from what he's been infiltrating into the culture. And so guess what? If you're learning about sex from culture, guess what most of it's going to be? A lie. It also describes the enemy as the prince of darkness. The prince of darkness. And oftentimes when we think of darkness, we think of evil. This is evil. But can I tell you what also darkness means? Darkness is not just evil. Darkness is ignorance. You ever heard like that guy's in the dark? You know what that means? He doesn't know. There are a lot of Christians right now that are ignorant. They just don't know. And so that's why when it says that he is the father of lies, if you continue to read that chapter, this is why it's so important for you to understand John chapter eight now, verse 32 says it this way, and you will know the, truth. come on, everybody say it again, you will know the truth, truth and the truth will set you free. So watch this, watch this. So if the enemy's whole goal is to keep you in the dark, if we bring things into the light, then you know the truth and truth brings freedom. Watch this. Not just information brings freedom, but when you know the truth, truth brings freedom. People are getting a ton of information about sex and relationships. They're just not getting the truth. And so today we're going to talk about the truth. The truth about sex and relationships, because when you know the truth, you can get freedom. And I believe today's message is going to hopefully save somebody in here save your life, save your marriage. And so here's where we're going to go. We're going to do three things, uh, three thoughts on what God wants you to know about sex, what God wants you to know about sex. I'm going to give you three thoughts today. If you're taking notes, you can take notes on the app or on just a piece of paper. And I want you to write these things down. Number one is this sex is everybody help me. Oh yeah, say that again. Come on, somebody preach it, brother. Preach it. All right. Sex is Y'all like drug it out too. It's like, good. <laughs> I'm feeling good <laughs> like I should. All right, so sex is good. It is so good. Proverbs 5, can, can we say this in church? This thing, some of y'all have never even said that in church ever. You're like, come on now. Okay, so Proverbs 5, here we go. Proverbs 5, 15 through 18 says it this way. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife, all right? Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Then he goes on and he says, never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing. Come on, look, at, if, you're, if you're by your wife right now, this is your moment. You are a fountain of blessing, all right? So fountain of blessing for you. Watch this, here we go. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. 
I just saw guys underline their Bible for the first time. God, I love this church. All right. Come on, somebody. Is my wife here yet? Okay, okay, so. <clears throat> so, newsflash, sex is not X-rated, it's God-created. Man didn't create this. The enemy didn't create this. It wasn't like God created Adam and Eve. He went into the kitchen to make him something and then came back and was like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, God made the parts, God made the drive, God made the, 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 the desire, like, like this is God made. And everything that God made, if we know in Genesis, after he makes it, he says, this is, this is good. And after he makes Adam and Eve, he says, this is very good. So if I could even add a little extra to point one, sex is very good. Now watch this though, what we have, what we've been sold Okay, what the enemy has sold in culture is that sex is either gross or it's God. And it's neither. It's not gross and it's not God, but it is good. Okay, now I want you to listen to me very closely because this is so important. So all the parents in here, listen, if you have, if you have uh, kids that are under the age of probably 13, you need to tune in right now. It is so, so important for us to make sure that our kids are learning about this from us and not from anybody else. Because if they hear it from anybody else, it's going to either be described as gross or God. Sex is either gross or it's God, and it's, it's neither, it's good. And I hear parents tell me all the time, well, man, I really don't wanna tell them because if I, I feel like if I, if I tell them too early, I'm gonna tell them too much. And here's my response to that, because often it's not too early, too much. It's usually too late. It's usually too late. Now, I'm going to, maybe today or tomorrow, at some point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post some resources that our family has started using to have conversations with our sons about sexual things. So I'll, I'll share some of those things. I don't have enough time today to share all that stuff. But I just had this talk with my youngest son a couple months back. And I was honestly probably three years too late. Now, thankfully, when I had the conversation with him, he was oblivious. So I was like, thank you, Lord. Okay, so he heard it from me for the first time. And it was a very interesting conversation. It's me and him having a conversation. He went into his, in our room and told his mom everything he had learned. His world was opened. But I had this exact, what I'm teaching you I is the exact thing I taught him. It's not gross. It's not God. It is good. And we, we walk through all the stuff. And I'll, I'll share more of that this, this week. But um, parents, don't fear too much too soon. You should fear too little too late. That's what you should fear. And um, my wife was on me for a long time to talk to my son. And I, I just, I, I kept not. I'm, I'm glad that I did. But God wants you to have the best sex ever. I mean, there's a whole book in the Bible devoted to sex and romance. And, and, and I want you to see this. Yet again, going back to the survey, 
The survey, one of the questions that, that I asked, let me show you what this one was. One of the questions I asked married people is, is your sex life what you would like it to be? 54% said no. Here was the most surprising part of this all, because I had the ability to look at this survey in many different ways, and so I could look at it just the men's responses and just the women's responses. And I would have thought for sure the men were the, be the ones that are going, no, it wasn't the men. It was the women. The women were the ones that said, no, it's not where I would like it to be. And so we need to unpack this. If it's good and if it's godly, then what's the purpose of it? Well, really two purposes for sex. First off is procreation, which we all know. Be fruitful and multiply, all right? But the second one, watch this. The second one is intimacy. Okay, so I, I hear single people say this all the time. Well, I'm just scared I'll never have sex. Watch this. I'm not scared you'll never have sex. I'm scared you'll never have intimacy. Because watch this. Because you can have sex and not have intimacy. And every married person said... It's, it's, I'm telling you so much. There are a ton of people who have sex but never have intimacy. God's desire is not that we would just have sex. God's desire is that we would have intimacy because, because the two becoming one is a picture of what Christ is with us and our relationship with him. God, God doesn't just want transactional things between us and him. How many know he wants intimacy? He wants emotion. He wants feeling. He wants connectedness. And, and, and there are, Many people who can do the act, but are not intimate. And so if it's good, God, God wants us to get beyond just an act to be something that is, that is intimate, that there's a connection that happens between the two people. <clears throat> when uh, an, another part of the survey, I asked this question, and this, the question was, if you don't have sex regularly, what are the reasons? Number one. You know what this means? No intimacy, no connection, and then work and then stress. Number one reason people don't is because I just don't feel connected with you. I, and that's the same thing that happens in our house. Lindsay's like, I'm not trying to be rude. I just don't feel like I'm close to you. And, and when my wife doesn't feel like, I, like I'm going after her heart, then she's not willing to give her body. If you wanna to get to the body, you go through the heart. Intimacy, by the way, starts through the ears before through the legs. This is so huge for us to understand. And, and, it, and this may be even just hopefully helpful for those that, that are married in here is just to understand that it's not just, it's not just an act. There's, there's a connection that happens of, of relationship and feelings and emotion that God wants us to have to be connected with one another. So sex is good. Everybody say that with me. Sex is Okay, just, just need to say it again. Number two, sex is powerful. It's powerful. Very powerful. It would be very irresponsible of God to give us something that is extremely powerful and then not show us how to use it. Not show us how to use it. So this, this um, past summer or so, uh, our family went on a vacation and we love Jet skis. Do I got any jet ski people in here? Yeah, I think, do we have a video of it? I think we have a, a video. Let me show you, show you a little, little jet ski fun that we had right here. Look at this right here. Ready. 
All right, so you have a pastor that has a need for speed, by the way. So uh, I love jet skis. Um, every time I can get on the water and get on a jet ski, I absolutely love it. And they bring a lot of incredible pleasure, and they're super powerful, which is what I love about them as well. They go, they go super fast. So anytime I can get on one, I want to go. So about a year and a half ago, maybe close to two years ago, we, I went with all of our pastors to one of our churches in Austin, and the pastor there was like, hey, do you guys love jet skiing? I was like, right, sign me up, I'm in, yes, I do. And so he's like, hey, Josh, you wanna come help me get it? He had two jet skis and they were pretty supercharged up and he was like, you've driven them before? I was like, yeah, yeah, man, I love them, I love them. And, uh, and so we went and we got them out of the storage that he had it in and, and, uh, and so we're pulling out and he said, hey, do you want me to like walk you through just everything on the jet ski? I was like, nah, I got this. I'm good. I'm, he's like, you sure? I'm like, bro, jet ski pro, right here, right here. And he said, okay, cool. And so we get out and we get out into the lake and we're going all over the place. And, and uh, if you're with me, I, I live a little on the edge. Um, so we're splashing each other and just doing crazy stuff. And I see him, he takes off and he goes way down and, and then he turns and he's like, kind of like facing me. And uh, I decided I was gonna go full speed towards him and then at the last minute turn and just, just waste him with water. Well, I did all that and then as soon as I got right up to him, went to make the turn and totally forgot you have to throttle it to make a turn. You can't just, it's not a car, you can't just turn. And so I turned it and it didn't turn, it went straight right into him and ramped up right up his jet ski. He literally in the last second of his life bailed off bailed off, I'm sure as words were coming out of his mouth and my mouth, and he bailed off, and uh, I put uh, a hole about this big in the side of his brand new nice jet ski. And not only did it to his, that he was on, did it to the one I was riding as well. And uh, he came up out of the water, and I'm like, are you okay, okay? And he was like, I thought you'd been on them. I was like, I have. And I realized that in that moment that, that because of my own pride got in the way, um, could have actually cost a guy his life on top of mine. But watch this. The issue wasn't the jet ski. The issue was the driver. Watch this, watch this. God doesn't mind you having a sex drive. He just doesn't want sex to drive. Because when sex drives, that's what it does. It destroys everything in its path. Everything in its path. And so it's important for us to understand the power that is behind sex. It's incredible. It's a blessing. It's amazing. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 puts it into a little bit of a context when he says this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to what? Okay, you gotta know how to turn that jet ski. It's a powerful thing, but you better know how to turn it because you're gonna have to control your body in a way that is holy and honorable. And he goes on and he says this, not in what? Which by the way, this is what wants to drive. This is what wants to drive. 
But he says, no, 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 not in a way that's passionate lust like the heathens who don't know God. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life, to live a holy life. This is the life that God has called us to live. So watch this, watch this. So, so sex will oftentimes magnify the desire and minimize the destruction. This is what it does. This is what it does. It'll magnify the desire. If it's not in the right context, it will magnify desire and minimize destruction. You can't allow your desires to always just dictate your decisions. You can't, you can't. But unfortunately, that's what's happening, and that's the culture, that's the air that we're breathing, and I know it's the air that we're breathing because it's, it's what we struggle through even in our own church. You go, well, I, I, I don't know if that's the case. It is. Survey says. Watch. Question to the singles. Do you believe that premarital sex is a sin? 40, 45% said yes, it's sin, and I'm waiting 49% said, yes, it's a sin, but I'm not waiting. 6% say, no, I don't think it's a sin. You add those up right there, that's 55% say, yeah, I know it's powerful. Yeah, I know it's destructive, but I don't care. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. And, and I know this is that part in the, in the message where, you know, you get a little kind of ramped up and you're like, well, Pastor Josh, who does God think that he is? I mean, it's my body. I can do whatever I want to. Yes, you can. That is actually the ability of free choice. The, is love. is the ability to choose whatever you want. But watch this. But we don't take that same mentality into everything we do in life. Like when you go to Lowe's and you purchase a massively huge chainsaw, all right, and then you pull out that chainsaw and that chainsaw's got that manual on what you should and shouldn't do. You don't go to Lowe's and go, how dare they tell me how to operate this chainsaw? I can do whatever I want to. Yes, you can, but you can also have one less leg if you want to. Is that true? Yeah, you do. So this is huge here. So here's the question, here's the question. Why do we listen to Lowe's more than God? Why, why is it, watch this, I, I need you to hear me, listen. Do not believe the lie that you can do what you want and still get what God wants. I'm gonna say that again. Do not believe the lie that you can do whatever you want and get what God wants. There's only one Lord and one King and the last time I checked, your name wasn't in there. Neither was mine. I have to submit my desires. I have to submit my, my wants and my feelings to the king of what he wants because God knows this. Sex is a blessing in marriage and it is a curse outside of it. And you go, well, how dare God hold something like that from me? He's not. He's trying to protect your greatest joy. He's trying to make sure that you have, you have um, the greatest foundation because you can't build a life of righteousness in the future on a foundation of sin today. You can't. It's impossible. You can't build a, a life of righteousness in the future. Well, when I get in the future, then I'm gonna do what's right. I'm just kind of sowing my wild oats right now, just kind of living it up, just doing whatever I want. I just want you to know the seed you're sowing will come back. 
You will bring all of that baggage and all of those seeds and all of that stuff into the next relationship. And I know you don't think that you will, but I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, that crop will be harvested at some point. So it's so important for you to understand that, that sex is powerful. It's a powerful blessing. It's a powerful delight. But it's also can be a curse and a destruction if it's not in the proper container. We always use the description of, of fire. Fire is amazing. I love fire. I'm a pyromaniac. I love it. If I can make a fire, I'll make it wherever I can. I, I love fires. My wife loves fires in our fireplace, and it is amazing, and it warms our house, and it's awesome, and you sit around, and it's so cool. But if, if we go to bed at night, and one of those logs falls off into my living room and catches my curtain, how many know? No good. No bueno. It wasn't the fire's fault. It was where the fire was put that made it from warmth to destruction. Are y'all, are y'all with me? Everybody with me? It's the container that it's in. It's okay, and I wish someone would have told me this when I was a young man. It's okay to have the passions, just make sure you have the parameters. It's okay to have the passions. It's not wrong to go, I do want it. That's fine. But just make sure that you have the, the parameters that are there because that's what protects you. That's what protects your heart. That's what protects your soul. And so sex is, is good and sex is powerful. Number three, and sex is glue. It is glue. It's glue. So I want to give an illustration here. So I want you to imagine here. <clears throat> so we got, we got boy and we got girl. And the Bible describes that sex is a joining of the two. And so I want you to imagine that every time you're, you are having sex, it, it's, it's a glue. We're putting, we're putting glue together. This is what we're doing. Whether you realize it or not, you texting that girl late at night, girl, I got you. Girl, this is going to be your dreams right here. It's coming. Man of your dreams. You all DMing them and everything, checking them out. I'll tell you, this is how it goes. And you, you get all up in their life and it's, it's, it's late at night and you, you go over to the house and then you start saying things like, you know, it's kind of late, I probably should be going. And then all of a sudden, a little, little lightning and thunder starts happening. You're like, ah, I probably don't need to leave right now. And then the roommate doesn't come home late. And you're like, well, I guess I could stay a little while. And what you realize is put the, put the right mood on, put it all together. And then something happens that you didn't want to happen. Or maybe you did want to happen. I don't know. But the Bible describes this process of us giving ourselves to the person as a glue. Let me actually, let me show you what scripture says. It says it this way, watch. Put up the verse for me. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother. And what's that word? Joined. Is joined. Joined to his wife and the two, everybody say two, are what? United, united into one. Well, what, what is he talking about united? Well, it, it's not just that they got married and put a ring on it. He's actually talking about the unity of the two physically coming together 
as one. And says, this explains. And since they are, go back, you can go to the next one. And since they are no longer two, but one. Watch this, let no one split apart what God has. Okay, now watch this, watch this. So the enemy will want you to believe, watch this, that sex is just physical. It's all it is. It is just, it's just a physical act. Meaning that I can swipe right and swipe right and swipe right all I want and go shack up and do what I want to do and it's just totally physical. It's all it is. It's all it is. It's just a physical act. It's just a physical act. It's all it is. But you and I both know that it's so much more than that. We know that. You know that. It is so much more than that. This, this idea of being joined together, united together, is, is not just a physical union. It, it's also meaning spirit, soul, and body. There's a, a joining that happens together. There's a, there's a glue that happens together. And, and here's why you know it. I just started writing down a couple of thoughts of why you and I both know that it is. Because watch this. If our society wants us to believe that sex is just physical, then answer me this question. Then why is adultery so devastating to a relationship? Why is it that men with the deepest sexual issues often had uninvolved or missing fathers? Same we could say for women. Why is it that, the mo- that, that most people's greatest regrets are usually sexual? If it's just physical, why is it that most of our regrets always revolve around something that's sexual? If sex is just physical, then why is rape so much harmful to a woman than just being beaten up? If it's just physical, why is it that when a child is sexually abused, when they are an adult and they begin to start connecting the dots, it's difficult for them to shake it? If it's just physical, why is that? Because you and I both know it's not just physical. So what ends up happening is this verse says, let no one, let no one split apart. Let no one split it, split it apart. And you know when you now have been glued together and you're trying to, uh, this thing just ain't working out. This ain't, this ain't working out. No, I don't, I don't like it. What you started with, it's not what you end with pieces of me or with pieces of you. And if you do this over and over again, can you imagine what you're eventually finally left with? Sex is meant within the container of a marriage to be a glue that puts two people together. And when you treat it as casual, this is what casual looks like. And And no one's going to tell you about it. 91% of the movies are between two people that are not married together, and it makes it look like it's fun and pleasurable and it's amazing, which it is probably pleasurable and it is fun, but this ain't fun. Because guess what? Then you got to bring this into your marriage. Then you got to bring this into the the next relationship. And I'm not telling you, this is so huge here. This is so huge here. What Satan doesn't tell you is that you can't put a condom on your heart. And your heart's going there. Oh, no, it's no, it's just a little thing. Pastor John, it's not a big deal. No, it's a big deal. 
It's a very big deal. And God warns it so much because he knows the devastation of what this can bring. It's glue. It's an adhesive that puts two together. God designed it for that purpose. So, let's get to some good news. So it is good, and it is powerful, and it is glue. And if, if this statistic is true, which I don't have any reason why I think any of y'all would lie, and 50% of us say our sex life is not as good as we'd like it to be, and 50-something percent of us are not living sexually pure, and so that means half of the room in here, as I'm talking, you feel shame right now. And that is not my desire, is for shame to be in your relationship. My, my, my desire is what Jesus desires to get shame off of you. Because that's what Jesus does. And so I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna tell you, how do we surrender our sexuality to the Lord? And this is for whether you're single or you're married, because hey, I hear guys all the time, oh, I just can't wait to get married, I'm not gonna have an issue with porn. Ha <laughs> ha! That is a lie! Well, I'll, I'll, get, I'll be totally sexually satisfied when I get married. When we did the, when we did the, the, uh, the survey on here about those who struggle with pornography, married men and single men was the same. Because until you find your full, deepest satisfaction in Christ, in Christ alone, how many know nothing will ever satisfy you? And you'll think, well, when I get married, then that'll be all fixed. No, it won't. No, it won't. This verse has to begin with God. So 2 Timothy 2.22 says this. Watch this. Run. Everybody say run. run. Come on, say it again. Run. run. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Run from it. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living and faithfulness and love and peace and enjoy the what? of those who call on the Lord with pure. Okay, so three thoughts here, ready? Here are three ways that we surrender our sexuality to the Lord. This is how we surrender our sexuality. Yet again, whether you're married or if you're single, this is how we surrender it to the Lord. Hey, by the way, because when you get married, guess what? When it comes to sexuality, you're a servant. You're a servant. So, so people go into sexuality to meet a selfish need. The problem is if you take that into marriage, sexuality is still a selfish need. And so you get upset when it's not going like the way that you want because it's all about you. But what, two selfless lovers is what makes great sex life. Selfless. I promise you there have been days where my wife was like, mm, not in the mood. But she has sacrificed herself for me. And there have been days where, well, I don't know if there's ever been a day. There's, <laughs> There's been a couple times, I'm sure, in the last 17 years where um, men are microwaves and women are crockpots, right? And so, so surrender your sexuality. Let's get back to the Bible, okay? So run from sin. Run from sin. So this, this verse told us that, that you are to run, run from anything that stimulates stimulates that youthful lust. So you start feeling those desires that are there. It says, you need to run, forest, run, 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 run. First Corinthians, watch, First Corinthians says it this way in 6.18. Run from 
sexual sin. Now watch, this is why it says to run, 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 run. Because there's no other sin that clearly affects the body as this one does. And I just told you why. All that list of the questions that I just gave you tells you. Listen, you do something stupid and wreck your car because you, 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 you were drinking or you were just texting on the phone or whatever, no big deal. You'll get over it. Sexual sin has a way of doing something to you that no other sin does. It affects you. And so God is going, run! Run! Pull up on Instagram, that girl with the bikini, like, no! Just run, because God knows there is nothing that will destroy your life faster than sexual sin. So I wrote some things down. When you find yourself comparing your spouse to another, run! When you find yourself justifying your thoughts and your actions, run! When someone that is of the opposite sex, if you're married, private messages you, run! If you begin to fantasize about being with another person, run! If you find yourself being lonely and wanting to click on something that you shouldn't, run! Some of y'all are like, like, do you mean like literally like get up and run? Maybe! So from now on, you're gonna be running around your house, your wife's gonna be like, oh, okay. I see. Where are you going? Just, I'll be back. Just gotta get myself in another headspace. Hey, you, you, you laugh about that, but the story of Joseph, if you know the story of Joseph, when, when Potiphar's wife went after him, and she grabbed his cloak. The Bible says he literally left his clothes there and ran. Imagine coming out of the palace, a naked man. You just gotta run. Just gotta run, just, just get out of that space. You up late at night, your girlfriend's house, and you know there's some stimulation going on. All the married people said it. None of the single people said it, okay. Run. Like, I gotta get out of here. I know myself too well. I gotta get out, I gotta, I gotta get out, I gotta get out, I gotta get out. Some of you right now are about to make a decision that is going to cause a major, major issue in your marriage. You've been flirting with some stuff and I'm telling you right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe he's telling me to tell you, you better run. You better run. You need to get out of that. Drop it like a bad habit and get out. Because yet again, remember, sin magnifies the desire and minimizes the destruction. All you see is pleasure right now, but you don't see your kids not talking to you. You don't see divorce. You don't, you don't see the pain of the years of even trying to work through it, but it's just so painful. You don't see all that. Because you're just blinded by what you want in the moment. Run from sin. Number two, run to Jesus. So we, we not only have to run from something, we have to run to something. You have to replace it with something even greater. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19 says it this way. Do you, don't you realize that your body is what? Everybody help me. A temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. Here we go. Everybody help me with this. 
You don't. You don't, but look at the person next to you. Tell them that. You don't belong to yourself. You don't belong to yourself. I look at my wife all the time and tell her, you're mine. Scripture actually says it. Husband's wife's body is mine. And I said, and I'm all yours. Okay, so you don't, you don't belong to yourself. Watch this. For, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. So we don't just run from sin, from temptation, from all these things. We run to Christ. We run to him. Watch this. Sin is an abusive lover. Now watch this. Watch this. All the girls in here, you know how you get rid of a really bad, abusive boyfriend? You get a much bigger boyfriend. I'm going to tell you, I believe the same thing is true. You know how you, you, you conquer pornography? You put a greater love in its place. Something greater goes in its place. The blood of Jesus can make you purer than you've ever sinned. God is your answer. We surrender everything to him. And this scripture says that he bought us with a high price. So watch this. So when you know how much you're worth... You quit giving people discounts. Some single girl in here needs to hear that right now. When you know how much you're worth, you know why you need to play hard to get? Because you are hard to get. Don't give discounts. Full price. And I'll even mark it up if I need to. My, this body, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And God gave his life for this and God fills this and God lives in this and I want to honor God with this. And so why do you think that is the greatest slap of the enemy in God's face is for us to take what God has created and do it in a way that defames God? Yeah. Say, God, God, let me honor you in this. So I want to, I mean, I want to run to Jesus. If you have some, and listen, I understand as well in, in this room, there, there, it is statistically proven that one out of four women have probably been raped. And that's a sexual sin that you didn't, that's, it's not your sin. You didn't ask for it. Like it was done to you. And so even the thought of sex and all that stuff is, is just so, it brings so many bad emotions. It's even affected for those that are in marriage. It's even affected your marriage. And you don't want it to, but it has. And I'm just here today to tell you, like, run to Jesus. Like, let Jesus take that. That have just blown it sexually, and you know you have. Just Jesus is not condemning. He is full of grace and love and mercy and second chances. I believe God can give second virginities. He can wipe pure things that were tattered and wrong decisions that we made. How many know God can renew things that we have broken? God can take all of this right here and put it all back together again. This is what God does. This is what he does. So we run, we run to Jesus. Let me give you the last one, number three, and that is to run with others. 
That scripture says we don't just run from sin, we pursue righteousness, so we're running to Jesus and his righteousness, and it says, and then we do it in the companionship with other people of pure hearts. So I wanna make sure that I'm running with people that are going to help me in this journey. How many know the sexual journey, you need some people around you that will help you, that'll keep you on, on uh, where you need to be, keep contending and fighting for you, agreeing with you, being an accountability partner for you. David, if you know David, one of the Bible calls him the man after God's own heart. David, if you know his story, sent all of his men out to battle. Is up on the top of his castle overlooking all of his domain and sees a beautiful woman bathing. And in that moment, instead of running inside, he just sat there and watched. And that desire just began to feed more and more. And he sent some, one of his guys to say, whoever that is, go get her and bring her to me. And one of his guys went and got her and brought her to him. And he slept with her. And if you, if you know the story, she gets pregnant. And so then he sends the, her, her name was Bathsheba, her husband, Uriah, to come, and he tries to get Uriah to go sleep with his wife so that he could kind of hide what he did. And Uriah, because he's a man of integrity, says, I'm not going with my wife. All my men are out fighting. I'm gonna sleep right here on your doorstep until you send me back out in battle. And he doesn't know what to do in that moment. So he comes up with a genius idea. I'm gonna just cover it up more. He makes Uriah take a letter to the battlefield and in the letter says, hey, put Uriah on the front lines of the battle and when it gets heated, everybody pull back so Uriah's the only one fighting. That happens and Uriah dies. So he's covering up, covering up, covering up. Man after God's own heart. <laughs> Lover of God, giant slayer, harp slinging. Man of God. So you can imagine the shame and all that that came with, came with that. But I want, I want to read a story to you. Watch this. It says in chapter 11, verse 26 and 27, it says, When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, it says David, and go to the next verse. David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Everybody look at me, watch this. Don't be fooled that just because your life is going well and you have hidden sin that nobody knows about, that God is pleased with it. So watch this, watch. So the next chapter is chapter 12, verse 1, and it says this, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. Okay, watch this. So most of the time we, we think that when you read a chapter and it goes right to the next chapter, that it's like, you know, that day or the next day. Then, you know, God sent Nathan to go confront David on this. Nathan was a prophet and he goes and he confronts David on this and David repents and David gets made right and all is well. But I want to show you something. Watch this. This is what I learned. Between the end of chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 12, verse 1, 
is not one day. Watch this. It's two years. Watch this. For two years, David thought, I'm good. I got away with it. I'm fine. All's well. Two, watch this, watch this. This is so huge here. You know what was happening? God was giving him his kindness and grace for him to make it right in those two years. Nathan would have never had to shown up if David would have made it right. But because he didn't, two years later, God brings a man of God into his life and says, we need to talk about this. Watch, listen to me. It is the kindness and the goodness of God right now. If there are those of you in here that are living a life that is maybe secretive or maybe a life that no one knows about and you think, well, God's blessing me and all is well around me. God must not, might not be a big deal to God. Yes, it is. And it is only his kindness and his goodness that is giving you the opportunity to make it right on your own. Because watch this, watch this. The enemy of intimacy is secrecy. We'll share more about this in the, in the weeks to come, but the enemy of, of intimacy is secrecy. You can be married and have a secret lifestyle of what's going on, and I promise you, it affects your marriage. You can be single and have a secret lifestyle that's going on. You can come into church and raise your hands and go, how you doing, and I'm blessed and highly favored, and no one knows that you struggle with pornography. Nobody knows what you did this past weekend, that you pray that no one knows, but hey, God always knows. God always knows. And God is so gracious and so loving. It is the goodness and the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. So what the enemy will try to tell you is like, don't let anybody know because as soon as people know, they're going to judge you. As soon as people know, they're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're not going to want to have anything to do with you. As soon as your wife knows, then, then, then your life's going to be miserable. Your life's miserable now. Just nobody knows about it. Because you're going to bed at night and you're wrestling through this in your mind all the time because in the back of your mind, here's what you're thinking. Watch this. In the back of your mind, you're thinking this. They only love a part of me that I've shown them. If they knew the real me, they wouldn't love me. And watch this. Intimacy is to be fully loved and fully known. This is what God wants for us in our relationship with him. And this is what God wants for us in our relationships with one another. So sex is good. And it's powerful. And it's glue. And all of those things are great if they're done the right way. So I want to encourage. And I, 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 man, I just pray that for those that are in here that you're, you're not doing it God's way. I want God's blessings on your life. I, it's, it's worth the wait. And I can stand up here on this stage and declare to everybody, I waited for my wife. And my wife waited for me. And it was the greatest gift I could give her. And it was the greatest gift she could give me. I want more people to have that. And for those who have given it away already, I want you to have it again, a second time around, that God can do it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. God can restore, God can bless, but we've got to do it God's way. Amen? So Father, right now, in this moment, I pray for those that are here. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are restoring, healing, maybe in some ways even exposing 
those things that have been in our hearts, those things that have been in our minds that we, we, man, we don't want anybody to know. But they have eaten us up. And God, I pray right now that we would take back what the enemy has been using as a stronghold. God, I pray, Lord, that there would be freedom in the house. Those that are watching online right now, God, that there would be freedom in their hearts. But God, we know that true freedom comes when we know that the truth will set us free. We need to be people who live in truth. So today, God, we, we wanna be a people who, who live in your truth. So for those that are in here, God, that maybe need to bring some things to light, give them the courage to do that. God, I pray for maybe marriages in here that when things come to light, that they would be, it would be received with grace. It would be received with forgiveness. God, I pray, Lord, that you would do a deep work there. Pray for those that are single in here that talking about even a topic like this can just bring so many emotions, discouragement. But God, we thank you, Lord, that sex and marriage is not ultimate. It's not ultimate. You're ultimate. You're what we seek for. We submit our desires to you. We submit our passions to you. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to you and you alone. Thank you that you have filled us with your Holy Spirit. So God, I pray right now for, for all of us in this room, God, that we would honor you in that. Now with everybody just having your eyes closed in a moment with the Lord, if there are those that are, of you that are in here that don't have a relationship with God. And I'm not talking about don't go to church, don't know about God. I'm talking about like a, a relationship where you have surrendered yourself to the Lordship of Jesus. Salvation is simply us surrendering ourselves to the Lordship of Christ. The truth be told, you're gonna have a really hard time dying to your desires if you're still the king. Today, I, I wanna give you an opportunity, the Bible says, to be born again, which is that, that you put him as the king and the Lord of your life. If you're here in this place and say, man, I, I know my sin has separated me from God, I want God to come and to forgive and to heal and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. He is faithful to do that and he can give you a new heart, new passions and new desires. If that's you that's in here on the count of three, I want you just to shoot your hand up and say, that's me. If you're online right now, you can let us know that as well. One, two, three. If that's you all across this room, if there's anybody that's in here, anybody else? Thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I want you just to pray this alongside with me and all those that are in here, I want you to pray this as well. I want you to say, dear Lord Jesus, today I commit my life to you. I give you the keys to my heart. Be my Lord and my savior. I surrender all my sin and selfishness. Thank you for taking my shame and my guilt and you paid for it on the cross and you rose again to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, I repent of my sins, and I turn to Jesus to be all that I need from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, everybody. Love.